I? I'm wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars of Universal Studios money to create the most delightfully rancid movie ever made, Taylor. And Baby Firefly, if you're hearing this, I am free on Thursday night and I want to be murdered. If you would like to murder me, I am free on Thursday night when I am free to be murdered. I am free to be murdered on Thursday night, so if you want to murder me on Thursday night, I am free, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week, we watched 2003's House of a Thousand Corpses, directed by Rob Zombie and starring Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon Zombie, Karen Black, Rain Wilson, Chris Hardwick, Tom Towles, and Dennis Fimple? Fimple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't read my own handwriting. (laughs) Sorry to this man. Sorry to this man. I'm sorry to Dennis Fimple. This movie's so good. I know we, we start out every episode just like, I love this movie. It's just, oh, this movie is everything just to me. The definition of vibes only cinema. I just, I don't even know where to start with this one. Well, let's start where we usually do, Taylor. Uh, what are your significant memories with this movie? So I actually, this is a fairly recent addition to the Taylor canon. I spent a lot of my horror watching life thinking I didn't like Rob Zombie. Because the only movie of his that I had seen was Halloween, <laughs> which is out is the way it is because of like insane nonsense with the studio and like weirdness that Rob Zombie was like trying to see how much he could get away with. There's, there's a whole host of reasons why that movie is a bizarre fucking watch. Rob Zombie didn't even want to make it. <laughs> no, like it's it's just a weird thing. And also, I just like let's just put it out here at the opening. It is a crime against all humanity that they didn't hand this man a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Yes, 100% true. Anyway, sorry, go on. But that was the only Rob Zombie movie that I had ever seen, so I just assumed that the rest of his filmography was bad. Um, I just assumed he was a bad filmmaker. Um, I'm here on the record, uh, on recording, to uh, verbally apologize to Mr. Rob Zombie for ever assuming that, because I have enjoyed every single other one of your movies that I've ever watched. And I've pretty much spent the last year watching your entire filmography and just enjoying the shit out of every single one of them and listening to your music and enjoying the shit out of that, too. Like... You're a fucking great artist, and I'm sorry that I spent so much of my life being bitter because you made Michael Myers talk in Halloween 2. Um, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> great movies. I actually what had a similar... You? What are your memories with this movie? I actually had a similar experience wherein, like, I was aware of Rob Zombie, like, culturally, and I think observing for a, from a distance, I was like, oh, okay, that's not for me, because yeah. it's just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a vibe, and I assumed for a long time that that vibe was not for me. Um, and I think I watched this, I watched this with Carm, and I watched it, I think, because she really likes this movie, and I was like, okay, cool, like, I trust your taste and I will give this a shot uh and we watched it on rabbit r.i.p 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 this was back in the day when like we were doing movie nights fairly often because rabbit was a thing and you could just like do that without having to be like a caveman in a cave hitting play at the same time uh and I loved it because like how can you not love this movie (laughs) I mean a lot of people don't love it yeah they're cowards and they're wrong yeah yeah to quote uh, Ether and Icor, 
a fantastic podcast that Friend of the Pod Rhea now has under her belt. Other opinions do exist, but they're wrong. They are wrong. Because this movie fucks. Um, this movie is so much fun. And so, de- as you said in your intro, so delightfully rancid. It's so, it's just disgusting. It's like Texas, it's like the original Texas Chainsaw if it had the vibes of Texas Chainsaw 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. completely. It's great. Like, and, and Bill Mosley is even there. So, like... Bill Mosley is there. <laughs> he is there. Oh, my God. Where to start? Where I to know, start? I know. I'm, like, scrolling through my notes, like, oh, God, where do I even... There's so much. Okay. Um, one of my favorite comparisons that I've ever heard made to this movie is that it feels like going through a haunted house attraction. Mm. Absolutely. 100%. As someone who has, like, worked in haunted houses, like... I would kill to work in a house with this vibe. <laughs> and also, I think they did, um, it was, I believe it was 2019, because I know Carm actually went to go see it. Um, they did a House of a Thousand Corpses uh, maze at Universal Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, and I've seen videos of it. I probably should have, like, reviewed it for this podcast, because, like, why not? I always want to watch videos of uh, Halloween Horror Nights videos. Or Halloween Horror Nights mazes. Uh, but it was very good. It, it fucked. Because, of course, it's, it, the vibe is so perfect. And it even starts out with, like, a haunted house attraction that um, is just part of the universe. And it's fucking great. I love this movie. Speaking of speaking of that, the, the fucking, the murder ride. I want to ride that. God, I want to go to Captain Spaulding's fucking gas station, chicken restaurant, whatever it is. Like, I want to go so bad. Like, will it end with me being murdered? Probably. But also, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with it. If Baby Firefly wants to murder me, again, she's completely free to do that, and no one should prosecute her. She's allowed. Don't prosecute her. She caught me slipping. No, she didn't even catch me slipping. I just slipped purposefully so she would do it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we need to get it out of the way, like, right at the top of the episode. Like, this, a lot of this movie is Rob Zombie- a lot of his filmography is Rob Zombie being like, everybody look at how hot my wife is, and, like, correct. It's correct every time he does it. I think I have a note that is literally just that. Like, Rob Zombie makes movies to show off how hot his wife is, and frankly, if my hot, my if my wife was as hot as Sherry Moon Zombie, I'd do the same. I just, I love Sherry Moon Zombie. She's wonderful, and... I, th- I find it very funny that she had no ambitions towards acting, until Rob Zombie started making movies <laughs> and wanted her to be in them. Uh, she was a she was a dancer and a costume designer for uh, his band White Zombie. And that's how oh they met. God. And a lot of people rag on her acting. And those people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's fucking delightful in this she's movie. She's wonderful. I love her. She is a lot in this movie, though. She becomes slightly less a lot in the two sequels. That's a shame. Which I do love, like, high-pitched, giggling, kind of evil Harley Quinn baby Firefly, but I also, I I respect the more low-key versions of the characters that exist in uh, Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. This movie is such a different beast from the other two. I've never seen the other two, so I'm going to have to uh, rely on your expertise here. Yeah, the the other two movies uh, in the trilogy are much more grounded in reality, which leads to my, like, 
my fucking game theory like pet thing which is my idea is basically to make the trilogy sort of make sense as a cohesive unit house of a thousand corpses is the world as the firefly family sees it and devil's rejects and three from hell are like an almost sort of a zoom out to like the way that things actually are Again, I've never seen the other two, but, like, from what I know of them and from what you're saying to me, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, that's that's how I sort of square them out narratively in my mind, because, again, like, the other two are so much more, like, obviously there's weird shit in the other two, but they are, like, in terms of both their, like, style and in terms of the content, because there's, like, overt supernatural stuff happening in this movie, too, which is just mm-hmm. not touched on in the other two movies. There's, like, implied satanic, like, cult magic science fiction something or other going on. We don't know what it is, but uh, if we we never really get an explanation as to it, and uh, that is just uh, completely dropped in the other two movies. Uh, Can you imagine if we actually got an explanation for it in House of a Thousand Corpses? It would be bad. It would be so stupid. Trying to explain anything in this movie would be would just make it like automatically a much worse movie. Yeah, this movie is just like uh like a just strap in and just enjoy the ride. Literally, like like I said, it's a haunted house ride. All you need to do to watch this movie is pull your lap bar down and hold the fuck on. That's it. That's all you need to do. Just enjoy the vibes. I'm not kidding. This is vibes only cinema. The other two movies, I feel like, I know I'm just going to keep talking about them, but, like, Rob Zombie also, like, especially in Devil's Rejects, three, three from Hell, not so much, but, like, in Devil's Rejects, Rob Zombie, like, has a thesis and is, like, trying to say something and make a point. This movie is not that at all. <laughs> this movie is, like, what if there is a really fucked up family? Yeah, like... Like, Devil's Rejects is about, like, the futility of revenge and how, like, how much better are cops than the people that they prosecute and, like, all of this, like, really deep shit and, like, is actually a very interesting movie to pick apart. And this movie is literally just, like, what if there was an evil, very evil family? I I genuinely, like, we, we rarely have smart people things to say on this podcast, <laughs> But we did do a little bit of film analysis in Texas Chainsaw, and we do do it, like, sporadically. I just want to get it out of the way. I have no smart people film school thoughts about this movie. Nope. Absolutely none. This isn't the movie for that, guys. Absolutely none. I No thoughts, head empty, baby firefly, please kill me. That's it. That's all there is. I, I of course, have other, like, thoughts and opinions. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here for an hour. But, like, that is the extent of it. No thoughts, head empty. Pretty lady, kill me. Yeah. If you go into this movie with, like, your thinky thoughts brain on, you're, you're gonna be disappointed. You can't watch it like that. <laughs> you just need to enjoy the vibes. It's, and it's they're horrible. Much, much like David Pumpkins, it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. So good. I, I will say, I, I like the other two better than this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably my least favorite of the three. It still rules. <laughs> but it's, again, like, it, it says a lot that, like, my least favorite of the three is it still rules this hard. Man, I just, the vibes are off the charts. You can tell also, one of one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this movie is that you can really tell that this is just aesthetically that Rob Zombie went into this movie thinking this is going to be my one shot to make a movie. This movie just very much reeks of, like, 
guy who is like, I get I get to make one fucking movie. I'm going to make it the most me movie ever. I'm going to make the movie ever. Yeah, and it, and it is the movie ever. Truly it is. Because uh, I would I would actually like to get into the backstory of this movie. Please. I, I, I know I know very little, so I will allow you to educate our listeners. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know, this movie started off uh, as a concept for a haunted house. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, that was going to be at, at Universal Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, that uh, Rob Zombie, who was like a huge deal in like the world of metal and was already sort of well known for having horror movie influences in his music and Universal contacts him and is like, hey, we're doing these uh, haunted houses for Halloween Horror Nights. Would you like to come up with one? We think that would be a lot of fun. And then over time, it just got to be such like a like so big conceptually that Rob Zombie and Universal were both kind of just like, why don't we just make this into a movie? God, I wish they would do that with um, Bride of Frankenstein Lives. Yeah. God. Such a good house. Such a good haunted house. What what had happened was that basically Universal left Rob Zombie alone, which you never want to do. Yeah. No. And just threw a bunch of money at him and were like, make, a, make us a movie. Oh my God. We, we are putting off all of our faith in you. Just make us a movie. So Rob Zombie made this movie. Or like 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 85% of this movie. I'll get into that too later. Edits it, screens it for the Universal execs, and they're like, we can't. <laughs> we cannot release this. Because they're cowards. Because they're cowards. So basically they ended up putting it just on a shelf somewhere and they were like we can't release this it's unwatchable it's bad it's too violent it's disgusting no one's gonna like it it's not marketable and it that was in 2001 oh. and Rob Zombie spent two years trying to haggle them down to be able to buy his own movie back from them and finally in like late 2002 they were like fucking fine we'll sell you your stupid movie back can I just say and like of course Thank God Rob Zombie got his movie back because that's, they should have just fucking given it to him anyway. Because it's his. However, can you imagine being Universal two years before, like, the big torture porn, like, uh, wave starts with Saw in 2004? Oh, 100%. And, like, getting rid of House of a Thousand Corpses. They were Ugh. sitting... That's the, that's the fucked up part, is that, like, literally Universal was sitting on the perfect early 2000s horror movie, and they were like, this is unwatchable, nobody is gonna be into this. It's just gore. Somebody got fucking fired over that one. <laughs> so, Rob Zombie fucking haggles them down until he's able to buy his own fucking movie back, and... Then he's shopping it around for like a year and finally Lionsgate picks it up. Lionsgate, we owe you our lives. Good old Lionsgate. Our friends at Lionsgate bought the movie from him and actually marketed it worth a damn and uh, released it in 2003. And uh, wow, it was a huge success on home video. What a shock. What a twist. <laughs> Not so successful in theaters, but very successful on home video. Uh, and Universal has been kicking themselves in the nuts over it ever since. I don't fucking blame them. Like, like, like you said, this is the perfect like early two thousands horror movie. <laughs> the 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 funniest thing is there's this video of Rob and Sherry Moon Zombie 
going through the House of a Thousand Corpses Universal Halloween Horror Nights maze in like 2019 or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's a video that was like sponsored by Universal. They like, you oh know, God. invited them to the maze and like right. had them privately go through it. And right at the top of the video, the interviewer is like asking them about the movie. And Rob Zombie is immediately like, yeah, Universal told me this movie fucking sucked ass. <laughs> now they're making a maze out of it. Whatever. At least they're paying me. Oh my God. Like he just uh. spends he just spends the entire beginning of the video being like, I guess they think it's profitable now. Fucking get him, Rob. Yeah, like he he, he can get him so hard, and like you can't say shit to him because now this is he's like one of the most like well loved horror directors. He's Rob fucking zombie. He's Rob zombie. Like you can't say shit to him now. But like in two thousand one, they were like, oh, this fucking metal musician thinks that he can make a movie, and he 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 gives us nothing but gore, which surely the audiences will hate in two thousand three. Oh my god, just ah, it it's so like karmatic in a way yeah that like (laughs) they were sitting on like in the era right like two years before torture porn starts oh my god oh isn't it so funny i love the karma of that i love it i love it so that's the backstory of this movie the other thing that cracks me up is that a lot of this movie was obviously like constructed in editing Mm -hmm. and i feel like you can kind of tell the editing in this movie ran so Saw could fucking fly. Yeah, 100%. And, like, there's such in this movie a clear delineation between the stuff that was shot on a Universal backlot with a huge budget. Because, again, Universal was just throwing money at this man. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that was filmed literally in Rob Zombie's basement. Yeah. On, like, fucking Super 8 cameras, like, with horrible grainy filters just to pad the runtime. Anytime that, like, there's, like, a weird insert shot that's, like, grainy and kind of acid-stained and neon, and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, it's a pretty much 100% guarantee that this was filmed in Rob Zombie's basement. But, like, it works for the tone of the movie. 100%. Like it-, it, it fits perfectly. Uh, but it but it is just very funny to see such like a clear mm. difference between what was shot with the massive universal budget and what Lionsgate was able to give them money to do, which was <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they, they did not get a ton of money from Lionsgate. That um, is actually similar to what happened with Saw. Like we talked about in our Saw episode, like they just had to edit padding in and it was basically the same thing where they like inserted um like newspaper clippings and weird montages and shit like that and it 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 kind of works perfectly for this movie because rob zombie his first uh directing experiences were music videos his own music videos so like Mm -hmm. he's like perfect for this kind of like weird mishmash like rapid cuts and weird angles type thing you can definitely see the bones of this style when you watch uh his music videos for like living dead girl and dragula Mm -hmm. um two bangers by the way two bangers by the way oh i love rob zombie's music now Uh, i can't believe i thought that i wasn't a metal person right like i was i was so wrong rob zombie was like the the fucking gateway drug that then led me into like all of these other like metal bands that I really enjoy now um, and have come to enjoy over the last year. So also thanks for that, I guess, Rob Zombie. 
Yeah, so like this movie feels a lot like an extended music video at times just because of the editing style. And you could see Rob Zombie definitely bringing a lot of his uh, experience editing music videos into the the style of this movie. And it, it just, it rules. It rules so hard. It's so good. I actually have a note. Because um, I was comparing, obviously, like the comparisons to Texas Chainsaw are inevitable, especially since we just did Texas Chainsaw. And I, so my note just says, Texas Chainsaw feels like something we shouldn't be seeing, but House of a Thousand Corpses feels like I just turned on, like, either I just turned on some weird late night horror movie, or I just picked this up from Blockbuster because I thought the cover looks cool. Or you found, like, some of the, some of the, like, insert shots to me feel like, found this VHS on the ground somewhere. That also works. Put it in my VHS player. There's like a video of a naked woman sticking her tongue in a skeleton, like between a skeleton's teeth. And I'm like, fuck yes. And you're like, I mean, you're like, fuck yes. But you're also like, should I call the cops? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's Cherry Moon Zombie. So I'm like, fuck yes. Yeah. She's allowed to do whatever she wants. We know this. Baby Firefly is allowed. Any any Sherry Moon zombie character is just, like, given a free pass to do anything that she wants to do. That's true. I haven't seen Lords of Salem yet, but apparently that's, a, like, a girl power movie where she becomes, like, a witch, like, Suspiria style. And, like... Oh, we were supposed to do Lords of Salem for our witch block, weren't we? And then it, like, fell apart. It doesn't matter because I, yeah. I, I should probably watch it, but... I haven't even seen it, but I know good for her. Should we talk about the protagonists a little bit? Not the fireflies, the like. The fireflies are the protagonists. The, yeah, but no. See, I know what you're thinking about this movie too is that, like, in the two sequels, the Firefly family are the protagonists. Oh, of course. Yeah, and I, I knew that. Fully, like, on their side, like, even, like, especially in Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. In Devil's Rejects, there is a villain who is pursuing the fireflies, who is a cop. Who you don't like. I mean, I don't uh, like cops. I don't like cops, uh, period. But. Just in general. But, like, I'm talking in terms of the movie. He is framed right. in, a, in a negative light. Um, but in this movie, there's, like, this ostensibly, like... V- there's this veneer of protagonist placed on uh, these four sort of wholesome kids type characters. <laughs> Was it you that I was because wa- we watched this movie in person, right? When I came to visit you, yes. Was, were you the one that I was like, "Hey, that guy looks like Dwight from The Office," and you yes. were like, "Yes, because it is Dwight from The Office." It is. It's Rain Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like again, like, like a few years before The Office came out. Yeah. Why doesn't um, anyone ask Rain Wilson about this movie? Literally, yeah. Like, come on. Like, like Rain Wilson is like doing interviews and stuff and like he goes on podcasts and like talks to people like someone needs to get him on a fucking ho- like Dwayne Rain Wilson please come on our podcast come on our podcast please can we talk to you about House of a Thousand Corpses please just for an hour just only we about House ta- of a Thousand Corpses we want to talk to you about your fish man experience oh fucking fish boy <laughs> that's such a good reveal by the way oh it's so good I love the, the, like, subtle way that it ties into Captain Spaulding's reveal as him being part of the the whole family. Because, like, you kind of get inklings of it. Oh, yeah. Throughout the movie. Uh, it's never really, like, fully stated even until the sequel exactly what his relationship to the family is. Uh, he is Baby Firefly's dad. But that's not given to us until Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, by the end of this movie, you know that he is just, he's in cahoots with them. He leads people to their house and, you know, all yep. sorts of let's, un- let's do their activities. Thing. But the, the thing with the, the fish boy reveal is that it sort of tactically reveals that Captain Spaulding is in on it because Captain Spaulding has all of these like old timey, like freak show corpses mm-hmm. around his, his little place. And, uh, with with the fish boy reveal it's like oh otis makes them for him out of murdered people <laughs> yep although like i think by that point in the movie it is sort of again like you said tactically set up so that you've kind of forgotten about that whole thing because so much shit has gone down like your mind is not there but then when the reveal happens at the end you can go back and be like oh gotcha yeah it all kind of makes sense i love the the weird like whole like wholesome family dynamic in this movie we love a murder family we love a murder family like the thing with the sawyers in texas chainsaw is that they are constantly bickering oh yeah the sawyers hate each other the fireflies would literally they would do anything for one another and that's so fucking valid they're wholesome they are like Top tier murder family. The gold standard, if you will. They are the gold standard murder family. And I simply love them. I love Mama Firefly and Baby Firefly's like very sort of sweet relationship. Um, I love how kind of um, during Baby's little burlesque performance, uh, Mama Firefly is like uh, behind the, the spotlight, <laughs> kind of mouthing the words to the song stage momming yeah she's like stage momming her it's really really cute and the way that the two of them giggle after everyone storms out so good also i would kill to be at that burlesque little number baby i would cheer for her i'd be a little i'd be a little too uh distracted to cheer but yeah (laughs) i love that scene because it's like such like a there's it's such a contrast between what she is doing on stage and everyone's reactions right like, she's doing this, like, old-fashioned, like, hoochie-coochie number, and the guys are, like, in Boner City. <laughs> Rightfully and, so. And the, the women are acting so offended. Like, they're, they're everyone involved is looking at her like she is literally stripping, but she is, like, lip-syncing a Betty Boop song. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Like, it's it's downright adorable, but everyone is, like, like, when they cut to the guys, they're, like, auga. Like, they're, like, fully bonered up. I mean, yeah, because it's Sherry Moon Zombie. I don't blame them. However, those women need to learn how to support other women. I know. There was a lot of slut-shaming going on in this movie. Although I will say the line, I'll cut your fucking tits off and shove them down your throat, was phenomenal. She can cut my tits off any day. Oh, my God, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I've been more than horny enough on this podcast. You you should get your Yeah, turn. it's my turn. It's my turn. This is my moment. <laughs> we, so we talked about Rain Wilson. The yes. other guy is uh, Chris Hardwick, who is like known now for like... <laughs> you say these names to me. I don't know actors' names. <laughs> he hosts some like show on sci-fi. I don't know. Like people know who he is, though. Okay. I think he, like, I don't know. I think he, like, did a, like, something with The Walking Dead, I which I've never seen an episode of The Walking Dead. Um, but yeah, like, he also became 
fairly well known later on. So it's it's sort of funny to go back and watch. Oh, and one of the two girls is from the L word. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember seeing um I think Carm reviewed this with like character from the L word on Letterboxd. Yeah. I think the I think it's uh, Denise, the the final girl, mm-hmm. ostensibly the final girl. Quote unquote the final girl. Yeah. <laughs> she she's um she's not very good at it. <laughs> Our fake out final girl. Yeah. I will say, though, very much in the Sally vein of just, like, I need to get the fuck out of here rather than fighting back. Yep, she is. Laurie Strode, she ain't. Yep. And, um, yeah, she probably dies in the end, you know? Well, again, it's the Firefly family that kills her, and they're allowed to do whatever they want. Precisely. They get a free pass. Exactly. Let's delve into the Firefly family, shall we? I would fucking love to delve into the Firefly family with you. So first of all, of course, we have Sherry Moon Zombie. As Baby Firefly. As Baby Firefly. Um, A queen, an icon. She is the moment. She is everything. She's the it girl. She's everything to me. And then we have um, Mama Firefly, played by Karen Black, who uh, horror fans might know from uh, Trilogy of Terror, which I still need to watch because she's very good in this movie. And I've also heard uh, very good things about Trilogy of Terror. Another queen. Another queen. Uh, one of the things that Rob Zombie loves to do is to pluck out, like, people who are sort of known am- among genre fans, but not really known in the mainstream. hmm Character actors and that sort of thing. Which leads us to Captain Spaulding, uh, Sid Haig, who had retired from acting. Really? Yeah, because he was just doing, like, bit roles on TV and hating every second of it. And he was like, I, I hate it here. Please let me do your movie, Rob Zombie. Yeah, and who had, like, very nearly retired from acting. And then Rob Zombie was like, please come be in my movie. I loved you in, I think, Spider-Baby, which is a great movie, and a couple of other, like, low-budget horror things. Spider-Baby is also about a murder family and is one of the inspirations for this movie. Uh, It's fun. It's a good movie. And Sid Haig is there. Which kind of makes me feel like that one meme that's like, gee, Sid Haig, why do you get to be in two murder families? True. He's so fucking good in this. He is having the time of his life my, playing my, Captain Spaulding. One of my only complaints about this movie needs more Captain Spaulding. Literally needs more Captain Spaulding. I think every movie needs more Captain Spaulding. True. Like, not nearly enough Captain Spaulding. And I'm glad that um, Devil's Rejects rectifies this and we do get more Captain Spaulding in Devil's Rejects. Um, oh, thank God. Yeah, because he every moment that he's on screen is delightful. I love the scene where he's talking to the cops. <laughs> yes. And his like his like makeup is half rubbed off and he He's in that fucking Pigs is beautiful shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I love it. It's so funny. And like the He so that- embodies like the vibes of this movie and just being so delightfully rancid. Yeah, like it's gross in that building. Like Oh, it is nasty. You, I know it smells in there. I know all the characters in this movie probably smell like shit. Probably, yeah. Just look at their teeth. Oh, the teeth in this movie. <laughs> the scene where Mama Firefly is talking to the cops and she comes oh my god! and you see her in natural lighting for the first time. Yeah. So and for the first time, get a really good look at her teeth. They are nasty. They are brown. <laughs> How do you <sighs> eat? Like... Those look like they're two seconds from just crumbling. 
It's because she spends so much time chewing on the scenery. Uh, yeah, period. They're, they're, they're strong because of that. <laughs> I'm so sad that Karen Black was not available to be in Devil's Rejects, so they had to recast Mama Firefly. Oh, R.I.P. I know. But, like, it was, like, a scheduling thing. It wasn't, like, yeah. she didn't want to be in it. F. Everyone involved was really sad that she wasn't able to. I like the actress who plays Mama in um, Devil's Rejects, but Karen Black will always be Mama Firefly to me. Yeah. She's the OG. The goat, if you will. She's such a cool old lady. I love her. She just, she has big, like, brothel madam energy. Oh, absolutely. Um, shall we detail the other members of the Firefly family? And of course, family? how could we forget? Oh. Bill Mosley. Nasty little rat man himself. Our horror movie king, Bill Mosley, as, uh, as Otis Firefly. Or Otis Driftwood, I guess, depending on what lore you're going off of because the lore for this family is very um ill-defined again i think in order to have lore you would have to think harder than this movie does trying to figure out these characters like actual relationships to one another is kind of a struggle um especially for me because i i write fanfic about these movies so this is something that i have run up against multiple times as an issue you guys should all check out Taylor's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses uh, Mindhunter crossover. It's very good. I, I am only familiar with one uh, half of this crossover, but it's very good and you, wish. Y'all, you. you should all read it. You should all read it. My AO3 is Stone Ground Words. Come read it and tell me what you think. Um, but yeah, writing that was a struggle because like, like there, there are sources that say that Otis is adopted. There are sources that say that he and Baby and like Tiny and RJ are like full-blooded siblings, that they're maybe half-siblings. Who the fathers are of various people. The only thing we know for sure within the canon is that they ostensibly consider themselves siblings and that Captain Spaulding is Baby's father. Mm -hmm. We don't know if he is the father of any of the other ones. It's never said. It's a very, again, Texas Chainsaw vibes where you don't really know, is is Drayton the father? Is he the brother? Is he both? Is he the uncle? Like, it's, again, in order to have, like, consistent lore, I think you would have to think harder than this movie wants you to. It is a struggle for those of us who do be writing fanfic, though. <laughs> I understand completely. I understand 100%. But, um... Do you know, listen, do you know how many hours I have spent trying to figure out Wanda Maximoff's age? <laughs> I understand. <laughs> How old is this woman? She is! These are the real struggles that nobody talks about, is fanfic writers trying to figure out canon lore when even the writers don't know the characters' relationships to each other, or even their ages sometimes. This is what we go through for you. This is, to this bring is what you. we go through for you. Um, and it's even funnier- okay, I'll stop talking about this in a minute, but like, the whole like- is like Otis is said to be adopted in some like source or another that I forget. But then in Three from Hell, they introduce a character and they say, Oh, this is Baby and Otis's half brother. Huh. What does that mean? <laughs> what is the source that says that Otis is adopted? It's a song that Rob Zombie wrote. Huh. Because Rob Zombie wrote several songs. Uh, he wrote House of a Thousand Corpses and then he wrote Pussy Liquor. Um, which is the name of, of the liquor store in this movie. It's not. Yes. It is, but it isn't. Um, and both of those songs kind of give 
awesome, like like kind of like sort of lore, but like it's never really. I feel like Rob Zombie wrote those songs and then was just like, I forget. <laughs> Can we circle around to Pussy Looker really quick? Because I just want to say, <laughs> the Firefly family may be murderers, but they do tip service workers. Yeah, after making fun of their names. But they do tip, is the thing. Poor Goober. They do, they do, they do tip service workers. I refuse to believe that um, nobody who works in that store has met them before, because they seem like a hard-drinking family. Oh, absolutely. There's no way. Maybe Goober was new. Maybe they just make their own moonshine. Who knows? Oh my god, I can totally see that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, not to objectify Sherry Moon Zombie again, but the assless chaps, very good. Very good. Sorry, Jerry. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, I am sure you are a wonderful, intelligent, and very talented woman. You are hot, though. She is. She's, she's, that's the thing, is, like, she's actually incredibly smart, and she's, like, an animal rights activist, and she, like, fosters animals, and she and Rob Zombie, like, live on a farm, and they're, they're very, like, intelligent people, but also, like, she is one of the hottest women alive. Listen, we all contain multitudes. Sherry Moon Zombie is not an exception. You can be hot and really smart, and Sherry Moon Zombie is. And we appreciate both of these facets of her. She's co-written some of his movies. Like, she's a smart lady. She's very hot, though. And I do appreciate that Rob Zombie does not let us forget it. Uh, we've we've devoted so much of this episode to just talking about Sherry Moon Zombie and how hot well, she is. She deserves it, though. She does. One yes, the assless chaps, bad. I appreciate it. One, one time I was much. having a really bad day, and friend of the pod, L, I was like, what's up? And I was like, oh, I'm just having like a really shitty day at work. And she goes, do you want me to just send you pictures of baby Firefly? And I was like, yeah. And then she sent me like seven or eight pictures of Firefly. <laughs> Like, immediately. Like, she had them in her camera roll. I love this. Like, locked and loaded. It was great. And I I immediately felt better. It it raised the vibes. Sometimes it's all you need to do for someone to help them out. (laughs) Just ask, like, hey, do you want to see pictures of one of your favorite fictional characters? (laughs) It was so funny. It took me so off guard. I just remember being like, yeah, I guess. (laughs) Immediately sends me, like, eight pictures of Baby Firefly. And we love you so much. It did make me feel better. So, I mean, I don't fucking doubt it because I also, if I was having a shitty day, would feel better seeing Baby Firefly. She's simply the best. Speaking of like fanfic and fandom, a lot of people want to fuck Otis. A lot of them, (sighs) you know. Considering how many people also want to fuck Chop Top, like I'm not surprised. It's so fucked up that like so many people want to fuck Otis, though, especially in this movie because he's so (laughs) gross. Oh, he is. That's the, I think that's the appeal, Taylor. You know what? I, but I will say, Bill Mosley, objectively very handsome man. <laughs> I love that, like, you say this to me about Bill Mosley all the time, but I love that you can't in good consciousness, like, crush on this man because you can't find a fictional character that he portrays that you crush on. Yeah, because, like, he's, like, I love him in, like, a peepaw way, but, like... Every movie that he's been in that I like, he plays just the grossest characters. I can't, I can't ethically commit to that. I think we also need to bring up, just again, I'd like to reiterate this point. It is a crime against humanity 
that they cast this man as Drayton Sawyer and then killed him off after five minutes. Yep. Whoever made that dis- whoever made that decision, listen, I am all for abolishing prisons. Whoever made that decision should be in prison, though. Whoever made that decision is my enemy, and you are on my hit list. Bill Mosley is a national treasure. How fucking dare you waste him like that? How could you? Like, how like how could how do you look at yourself? He is so f- delightful in this movie. I love like, listen, I'm not horny for Otis, but I love him. He's amazing. He's just so delightfully horrible. He's fucking hilarious. Like, I just love how much Otis loves the sound of his own voice. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and this carries through to the sequels. Like, at the drop of a hat, he will just launch off these, like, incredibly bizarre, just, like, rants about nothing. King. Two, like, people that are fucking tied up, like, in his room that he is, like, mid-torturing them. That's why he, he ties them up. Just so he has a ca- he literally has a captive rant. audience. He ties them up so he literally has a captive audience. That's the real reason why he does this. It's just because he needs somebody to listen to him. God knows someone- no one else in this family is going to put up with his shit. He needs someone to, like, launch off on these monologues, too. Like, like the scene where, like, when you first see him and he, like, has those three cheerleaders, like, tied to chairs in front of him and they're, like, whining and they're, like, crying and like clearly scared out of their minds and he's just like like he's just going off about nothing incredibly fucking funny incredibly fucking relatable i would also love to have people who have no choice but to listen to me that's what that's what this podcast is exactly (laughs) just just these borderline nonsensical screeds about nothing like you can and this carries through into the other two movies where at several points he does quote like Charles Manson and his followers, but like the Manson influence there is very clear, mm-hmm. especially with me having just listened to the last podcast on the left series about Manson and knowing how much of a dumbass Manson actually was. <laughs> like you can really see a lot of Manson in Otis. Like he's just an unsuccessful Charles Manson. He's Charles Manson if he wasn't charismatic enough to start a cult. While we're here, I forgot that this was a period piece. Hmm. I forgot that this was like the 60s, right? Or the 70s? 70s. No, this, no, 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 it is the 70s because I made a note. Fuck. Okay. I need to bring this up. I made a note. 1977, also the year The Conjuring 2 takes place. Well, that's a crossover I now have to write. <laughs> Do you really want to subject the Warrens, like, fucking paragons of, like, goodness to the Firefly family? Yes, I do. Good. I would love would to read funny. this. I would love to read this. I completely forgot, and I don't know how, because, like, you're right. The 70s energy is unmatched. But, like, in your defense, Rob Zombie has made movies that take place in the modern day that also have this exact aesthetic. That's true. That's true. So, like, I don't blame you. (laughs) Yeah, I just saw, like, the 1977, like, title card pop up, and I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. This movie also takes place at Halloween. It does. I fuck. Okay, can I tell a story about this? <laughs> Please. Um so as I was watching, I made a note. Hold on. Where's the note? Okay. It, it says, "What the fuck are these kids doing trick or treating one night early?" And then like literally 5 sec 5 minutes later, the one of the protagonist's father is on like on the phone with his daughter and he's like, "Oh yeah, they're doing trick or treating one night early because tomorrow is a school night." Which does anywhere actually do that? I've never had like that never happened with me. I've never heard of this. I've never heard of this either. Like you trick or treat on Halloween, you weirdos. School night or no, like survival of the fittest. 
those kids will not survive the winter. Precisely. It's coward shit. Like, yes, if, like, I'm sorry, if Halloween is on a Monday night, you trick-or-treat on Monday and go to school on Tuesday. Coward. With the remnants of black, like, shitty Party City hairspray dye in your hair. Exactly. And, like, makeup and crevices on your ears. Yep. That's just what you do. Speaking of the whole, like, through line with the, with uh, Denise's dad, um... Can we talk about the the I remember you sequence? Of course, because it rules. Of course, it Rob Zombie is so good at incorporating music into his films. I mean, it it's not no surprise considering that he's like a music per like he writes music and directs his own music videos and shit. But oh my god, a plus, a fucking plus. I love seeing I love seeing cops die. Yes. Also seeing cops die is great. Um also speaking of which, Tom Towles plays mm-hmm. um one of the cops. And horror fans might know him from the movie Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Movies I have not seen, unfortunately. Where he plays uh an incestuous necrophiliac serial killer named Otis. <laughs> Hmm, that sounds familiar. It's very funny. Um, that had to be on purpose. It's so bizarre seeing him in this movie playing like ostensibly, like obviously he's a cop, but like ostensibly a good guy. Right, right, right. The 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 long arm of the law because he's so vile in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. <laughs> and then the other the cop range. is fucking Walton Goggins, Quentin Tarantino alum. Uh, ah, the Hateful Eight, uh, various others. Uh, he's great in this, uh, but it is funny to see him here. Incredible. Again, a lot of weird, just, like, cameos in this one. Rob Zombie knows how to cast movies. Oh my god, he does. And he does so- he knows how to cast movies, but also whenever he gets a new movie, he's like, I'm gonna put all my friends in this. And, like, good for him. All my friends and my wife. And you I know what? He has a conversation about the fact that he was chosen to reboot the Monsters, and he was like, I think all of my friends and my wife should be here. He was right. And he was correct to do that. He was correct. 100%. Oh, I was so excited when I found out that Sherry Moon was going to be playing Lily Munster. I was like, it's perfect. This is a role that was made for her. Like, how are you going to have a character who is literally just a vampire milf and not cast Sherry Moon zombie? Like, how do you Truly. I mean, you could also cast Jennifer Tilly, but. True. Or Barbara Crampton. I still need to watch Jacob's Ladder. (laughs) That's true. Jacob's Ladder. But those are like the holy, is it, is it called Jacob's Ladder or uh, it's no, something? Jacob's Ladder is a very different movie. Jacob's Wife. Sorry. Jacob has a lot of things, okay? <laughs> he has a ladder and a Jacob's Ladder. He has a ladder and a wife and I can't tell the difference between them sometimes. He's got a ladder and he's got a wife. <laughs> I hate this podcast. This is just a covert sequel to Jacob's Ladder. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> I hate this podcast so much. <laughs> you know I'm not cutting that out either. I know you're not is the thing. I think the moral of every horror movie that's like this is just don't eat dinner with other people. Just don't do it. Like if 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 you are in a place and somebody says, "Can you like stay and have dinner with my family?" Just don't. Just don't do just it. Don't do it. Never Texas Chainsaw, House of a Thousand Corpses and Rocky Horror have all taught us this. Just don't stay. It's never gonna. It's never good, and you'll you'll probably die. You're probably dinner. Like, <laughs> no, wait, hold on a second. No, I, sorry, that just registered in my brain. If it's Rocky Horror, you fucking stay. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> it's 
If it's Rocky Horror, you fucking stay and you have the best sex of your life. Fair enough. Unless you're driving a motorcycle. Unless you're driving a motorcycle. Then you're going to get hacked open. But like, R.I.P. Meatloaf. In real life and in the movie. R.I.P. I mean, we haven't said it yet, but like, R.I.P. Sid Haig. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. R.I.P. It makes me really sad to think about. I know. He's such a good actor, dude. Like, we've spent a lot of this podcast praising him, but like, he's phenomenal in these movies. Oh, he's so good. Captain Spaulding is a fucking modern horror icon, and Sid Haig deserves, like, a lot of the credit for that. His performance is phenomenal. And again, one of my biggest problems with this movie is that there's not enough Sid Haig. Again, that is a problem with a lot of movies. There simply should be more. There just should be more Sid Haig in every single movie ever. Speaking of uh, problems with this movie, um, I do have (laughs) one big one. Please. Oh, God, does the ending drag. Yeah... I remember feeling that. I love the first, like, two-thirds of this movie. And then, like, the second that that Denise gets fucking lowered into that underground thing and, like, the Dr. Satan dude is chasing her around, I just check out every time. Same. Same. And I'm I'm glad to hear that because that's it. I've seen this movie three times now. I watched it for the first time with Carm. I watched it with you. And of course I watched it for the podcast. And every single time the ending just like drags for me, which is weird because this movie uh, is our Holy Grail, a tight 90. It's but so, unfortunately, yeah, it's so weird that it feels so long. Do you want to know why that happens, Taylor? Why? Because we just get a big chunk where we don't have the fireflies around. <laughs> That's, no, that's exactly it. Like, I don't care about Denise. Like, listen, that actress did a great job. I'm sure she's a great, I'm sure she's great on the L word. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's just fucking running around and, like, the big dude is chasing her and it's like, okay, I get it. Where are the fireflies? The brief bit where it cuts back to the fireflies. I love them doing their cult shit. It's great. Baby firefly in cult robe stabbing that one girl fucking phenomenal it briefly cuts back to the fireflies and i'm like yes finally we're back and then it goes and does more of fucking denise running around underground it doesn't help that like the the four protagonists of this movie are very much set up as like the quintessential horror movie like these are the people you're gonna watch get killed for the next 90 minutes 90 minutes like they're not characters that we particularly care about especially when we have the fireflies around who are so much more engaging, so much more like larger than life, exaggerated and fun to watch. And then you just have like these four assholes who need to be here because the fireflies need to kill people. And again, like devil's rejects is so much better at setting up characters that the fireflies can terrorize. Like, like there's a group of people that the fireflies take hostage at one point in devil's rejects. Mm -hmm. I know you haven't seen the movie, but and, it, and, like, the D- Devil's Rejects just does this so much better. Because, like, we don't know a ton about these people. They're obviously not our protagonists. We don't meet them until, like, two seconds before the fireflies get to them. Like, they're only... Like, the only stuff that we know about them are, like, the very basics that we need. And they're still effectively... Like, you still feel for them when they're being terrorized by the fireflies. Mm-hmm. We don't need them to be the protagonists. Like, that's my biggest issue with this movie, is that it felt like Rob Zombie was still kind of married to this more conventional type of horror, even though you can kind of really tell that what he really wanted to do was to have a movie about the Fireflies. 
Yeah, and I, I, I kind of understand where he would have been because, like, this is his first film, and also he's, like, making it for Universal, so I would imagine... Much as he, like, went wild, there was also probably at least some inkling of, like, okay, I should probably stick to at least something of a conventional format. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this this movie is very much a takeoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so, like, you can kind of feel the influence there in terms of, like, here are our protagonists, we start with them. But the difference is that the protagonists in Texas Chainsaw are, like, likable. Yeah. Yeah. And I give a shit about Sally when she's, like, running around trying to get away from Leatherface. I don't care about Denise. <laughs> yeah. I care I about Denise. I don't care about Denise or Bill or fucking Jerry or Mary with her stupid little braid. Like, I want to watch the Fireflies. Again, I care about them in so much as they are fodder for the Firefly family to fucking, like, fuck around with. Like, that's it. That's all, that's no their purpose in this movie. about those characters. Taylor, how dare you insult my my 300k 70 chapter fanfiction about Denise? Oh, you know, how dare I'm you? So sorry. You know what though? I wouldn't put it past you, considering the type of person that you are. I mean, considering the type of person who I am. However, I do like characters with personality. That's true. You do also though like attach a mi- attach yourself to a minor character and then like invent their whole personality. That's true. You have been known to do this, so. That's true, but I think the only personality I could invent for Denise is just, like, I don't know, Laurie Strode ripoff. <laughs> she doesn't do anything. Exactly. Oh, I don't care. I don't care about those four people. I don't care about... I don't care about them. I'm really glad either. that Rob Zombie had the good sense to realize in the sequels that the Firefly family are the ones that we want to see. And, like, especially in Three from Hell, which is literally just 90 minutes of, like, let's have fun with the Firefly family. Love that. Like, Love that that's, for them. Like, a lot of people don't like Three from Hell because they're like, it didn't have a plot. And I'm like, what? House of a Thousand Corpses doesn't have a plot either. You don't enjoy 90 minutes of just the Firefly family fucking around in Mexico and breaking out of prison? All you need is vibes only. Vibes only cinema. Like, are you seriously telling me that that the idea of a movie where the plot is the Firefly family break out of prison and then party in Mexico and then kill a bunch of gangsters is not the greatest movie ever? The ideal film. It's simply great. And I like it better than House of a Thousand Corpses and you can quote me on that. (laughs) I probably should watch Three from Hell and... Devil's Rejects at some point. I'll watch them with you. Hell yeah. They're so good. I like, them, nice. I like them better than this movie, which is saying a lot because I really enjoy this movie. But like, it's not perfect. <laughs> so do you have anything else that you would like to say about this film? Other than like horny shit about Baby Firefly? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've, I've reached my quota of that. So... <laughs> Your, your your horny quota for this episode. See, we, yes. you had to let it all out in this one. I did. I, it's my turn, Taylor. It's my turn. If that is all that we have to say, I'm going to move on to our segment uh, called Live Laugh Letterboxd, where I read funny letterboxed reviews. Uh, this one had a lot of good ones. <laughs> this first one is, we're already jumping into my, like, you get a free pass for rating a movie that I like very low because your review was funny. Uh, Jonah says, why is this edited like a fan cam? Two stars. <laughs> Listen, it's not a fan cam. It's an AMV, you fucking cowards. Cut.
call it what it is. None of this fan cam nonsense. Back in my day, we called that and an AMV. Years will never understand AMVs. You call them fan cams now, but we know the truth. Uh, so Brianna said, fuck. "What if we kissed under the tree where they hung Doctor Satan?" And we are both girls. And we were both girls. That's the plot of your fanfic. That is the plot of my fanfic. <laughs> Comrade Yui says, Captain Spaulding's clamorous laughter can raise the dead and save your soul. Four stars. Very true. Yeah. Sid Haig's laughter is phenomenal. Amen. Jack says, you know your town has hit rock bottom when the only liquor store in town is called Red Hot Pussy Liquors. Four stars. <laughs> That really is the best name for a liquor store. It genuinely is. Like, God, yes. When are we making, when are we opening like a Red Hot Pussy Liquors chain in real life? In real life. Yeah. 100%. Nick says, Sherry Moon isn't a bad actress. You're all just mad that you're, that you aren't married to Rob Zombie. Four stars. I'm, no, that's not true. I'm mad that I'm not married to Sherry Moon. Period. Frankly, I'm mad that I'm not married to both of them. (laughs) And that's what bisexuality is. And that's what bisexuality is, is having a crush on Sherry Moon Zombie and Rob Zombie. <laughs> that's bisexuality, babe. That's what it is. Um, Molly says, Otis ranting to the cheerleaders is me talking into my bathroom mirror at 2 a.m. Five stars. True. Me in my car, like, practicing for this podcast. Uh, Allie says, Robert Zombert may have snapped. Four and a half stars. Robert Zombert may, in fact, have snapped. I can't believe we got through this entire uh, episode without calling him Robert Zombert one time. I mean, we just we just did. I mean, until now. <laughs> until now. Yes. Uh, I'm very glad. Uh, sorry. Maggie says, I'm very glad this movie exists for two reasons. One, it pleases my infantile ADHD brain that needs constant colors and movement to focus. Number two. Dana Fairbanks is my favorite character from the L word. Great job, everyone. Wonderful. Wonderful. Very I'm glad true. Somebody uh, enjoys uh, the L word because I'm one of the very few queer women for whom that wasn't like a large part of my young gay awakening. It wasn't for me either. I think I was probably too young for it. So was I, but I know a lot of people around my age who would like watch reruns late at night. Yeah, I never like. It probably wouldn't have been for much for me because as a child, I was very staunchly against like any and all realistic fiction. <laughs> me. I, listen, I've, I've, lo- I've loosened up on it a little bit, but also you do need to throw in like a murder or something. <laughs> if you didn't have your gay awakening to genre fiction, you're not valid. I'm going on the record to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, William says, gay chicken, five stars. Fuck. And I don't know what that means, but damn, you right. Damn, you right, sir. Gay chicken. Is it like like the Does game? Does it mean the chicken that Captain Spaulding serves at the, the gas station? That is gay chicken. Is it is it gay chicken? I think it is gay chicken. I, w- I thought it was like chicken like the game, like you know how you play gay chicken with like your homies? Oh, you know what? Could, but what would that have to do with the movie? I don't know, is the thing, which is why I think your theory is probably more correct in that the, the chicken that Captain Spaulding serves is in fact gay chicken. It's gay chicken because Captain Spaulding <laughs> is an ally. Exactly. And he serves gay chicken. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's gay. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know Captain not, Spaulding's life, and I don't claim to know Captain Spaulding's life. We're not here to speculate on Captain Spaulding's sexuality. I am, however, here to speculate on uh, baby sh- sexuality, because I am a bisexual baby firefly truther. 
Oh, you're you're correct. Based exclusively on the scene from the shooting script, which I have read in its entirety because I'm that kind of nerd. There's a deleted scene where Baby Firefly asks the two girls if they fuck each other. (laughs) (laughs) I think she literally says to them, like, are you two girls all funny with each other? And they're like, what? And she's like, do you, you know, make scissoring motion? Oh, my God. No, yeah, you're correct. She's bisexual. And And it's like, it's like, and both of them are like, ew, no. And it's like, no, you don't understand. She's not being homophobic. She's asking you for a threesome. (laughs) You fools. My evidence to baby Firefly not being straight is like, you fucking look at that woman and tell me, tell me that any straight woman could do that. There are a few bits from Free From Hell that are very gay. She's very flirty with her female prison guard. Um, and at one point, like, outright um, says to her, like, I bet you want to fuck me so bad. You want to fuck me so bad it makes you look stupid. No, she literally does say that to her female prison guard in Three From Hell. It's very funny. I love that. And then there's a, there's a part uh, during one of the party scenes where um, a woman says to her, like, I don't know, a woman, like, flirts with her and Baby Firefly is like, we'll see how the evening goes. So, bisexual like, queen. Bisexual Baby Firefly truther. I am also joining you in this crusade. She's bi. I I refuse to believe otherwise. So star ratings. G. Taylor, I wonder what you're going to give this movie. You know what? I'm actually going to give it a four and a half. You know what? I think I might too. I have to knock off half a star for the ending. For the ending. Like, I can't in good conscience give this movie five stars disliking the ending as much as I do. Yeah, no, I agree. Because, like, I check out so hard, like I said, at the ending of this movie. Like, once Denise starts fucking running around, I'm like, well, that's it. It's over. I genuinely don't think I have any... Like, I have, like, maybe one note of... about that. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like I... Whole scene. Once that whole thing starts, I just stopped writing. <laughs> I think I was, like, on Twitter. Yeah, I was also, like, scrolling through that scene. Because it's just so nothing! It's just nothing. It's like, uh, whatever. So yeah, four and a half. Four and a half. A respectable rating. A respectable four and a half. It is a great movie. I do check out the last third of it, though. But the rest of it is so good that it makes up for it. Next time, we have a seasonal pick for you guys, because it will be our Valentine's Day episode. We will be watching 2019's Ready or Not. Very excited. I love Ready or Not. Oh, such a good movie. So good. You got, If you haven't seen it, please do. It's. I believe it's a tight... Is it a tight 90? I think it is. And it's on it HBO is. Max. It, exactly. Or, you know, you can just acquire it legally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we will see you next time for that. Our, our Valentine's Day episode. Listen to it with someone you love. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watch it with someone you love. It's yeah, perfect- watch Ready or Not with someone that you love. It's a, it's a movie about romance. Yeah. There's a wedding in it. It's fine. You know what? Fuck. There sure fucking is. <laughs> There's a wedding in it. You'll love it. Until then, you guys can follow us on Twitter at FGFpod, Instagram at the same place. I believe now Spotify gives you the option to give us a star rating, so we would love if you would drop us those five stars. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, do whatever you need to do to tell us that you enjoy our program. And we will see you next time for Ready or Not. Yeah, we would really appreciate... Um... Just any feedback you guys would like to give, just leave leave a review or anything. We would really love to see it. Movie recommendations for us to do. Yes, please. Whatever you guys want to tell us. Even if you just want to say like, hey, I liked this. We've got a few weird ones coming up though, so. Yes, we do. 
I'm so excited. Yay. We will see you next time. Bye, guys.